This Ask an Expert conversation is brought to you by Henley Business Radio. Welcome to this Ask an Expert show on Hindi Business Radio. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and it is such a pleasure to be with you today. I know that interesting is a word that I use on an ongoing basis, but today is a very interesting conversation. Paula, if I was to say that you're a very interesting person, is that accurate? Yeah, I've been called that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Well, well, let's quickly introduce you to our listeners, and then we'll get into what you do, which is really you're a relationship expert. You've got a nice pedigree. Brag a little bit. Tell us who you are, please. <laughs> so, yes, my name is Paula Quincy. I am known as a relationship expert. I work with individuals and organizations around cultivating healthy relationships in your personal and professional arena. I also am or have been a bit of an athlete in terms of primarily a runner, so okay, comrades lovely. and two oceans. I've done some other crazy things as well, uh, mainly for charity, so cycling from Sun City to Cape Town. Oh, wow. Climbed Kilimanjaro, jumped out of an aeroplane. You know, some people call them crazy yeah, things. Just I just, I just call them having fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very impressive. But really, we're here to talk about the relationship side of your expertise. Mm. I'm sure that you'll have some nice examples from some of the things that you've done. This relationship expert thing, where did it come from? So it started with my own personal journey in 2006. I was in a relationship at the time that it hit rock bottom. Okay, and, and, and I'm assuming we're talking about a personal yes, relationship now. absolutely. Okay. Personal relationship, it hit rock bottom, and we were going for therapy. And our therapist referred us to Imago Relationship Therapy. Okay. And so we went away on this couple's retreat or weekend, and I was blown away at the impact that it had on me and my life in terms of helping me understand so much about myself about my relationship patterns and behaviors, not to mention the string of failed relationships behind me, mm -hmm. including the one that I was in at that time. Okay. And so there and then I decided that I wanted to share this with other people because life's too short to be miserable and unhappy in your relationship. And a relationship should be a place of support and nurturing and all of those things. So I made inquiries to then be trained in Imago Relationship Therapy. It didn't save my relationship at the time mm -hmm. for various reasons. One of them is that I was playing the victim and I was blaming my partner for everything that had gone wrong in our okay, relationship. Until I had to swallow the bitter pill and look in the mirror and go, well, how did I co-create this? Mm. Because situations don't just happen. We don't wake up in the morning and go, today I'm going to be angry or today I'm going to have an affair. It happens over time. Mm. So I had to kind of look at myself in, in a deep, long, hard look and go, well, how did I co-create this? How did I contribute to our relationship getting to this point where it hit rock bottom and my partner had had an affair? And that was where the journey started for me. And so I then qualified as an Imago Relationship Therapy Facilitator and Educator, and then subsequently I've done my NLP practitioner training as well, okay. so life coaching. And... At the time, I was in the corporate world. I'd worked at organizations such as Nedbank and Sanabank and KFC. And so together with my personal experience plus my corporate experience, I then started moving into the relationship space, primarily mm. starting off with individuals and then now moving into corporates in terms of helping people understand relationship dynamics that play out. And the principles are the same in terms of our personal relationship and our professional relationships. Okay. The only difference is, is that our personal relationships are much more emotionally charged because they're driven by romantic love, sure. whereas our professional relationships are driven by the love for the organization we work for, the people we work with, the tasks and the roles that we perform. But you'd still say love. Yes, love, okay. because love isn't only just romantic love. 
it's like you can love your brother, sure. you can love your friend, you can love your animal. It's all different forms of love. So it's the love we have for the work we do in the organization and the people in it versus the romantic love that we have for our partner or the unconditional love that we have for our children and our families. So this feature of the show is all about asking the experts. So we must ask you a whole bunch of questions. Let's start at the beginnings of everything. And that is, how do you cultivate a relationship, any kind of relationship? What are the foundational elements of a good, solid relationship? So it always starts with self in terms of how are you showing up every day, okay. either in your personal relationships or your professional relationships. So in other words, where are you at in your head do you have a negative or a positive outlook on the world, on your relationship, on this person, on this situation, on the environment? And then where are you at in your terms of in your body from an emotional perspective, your emotional state? Okay. And that, together with all our baggage, because we all have baggage. Yeah. So when someone says they don't have baggage, they're in denial. Sure. Okay. And baggage consists of things like our upbringing. Our culture, our values, our beliefs, our spirituality, our life experiences, and also the life stage and, that we're at. And baggage doesn't necessarily have to be negative either. It's just what we, we bring with us, isn't it? Absolutely. We've been conditioned to think baggage is negative. Yeah. And there is negative baggage in terms of past hurts and traumas and experiences that we may hold on to that keeps us stuck in that space. But it's not all bad. Baggage is part of who we are as an individual. And then how we co-create that relational space, the space between two people, which is where the relationship lives and thrives, mm. is what two people, two individuals, what you bring into the relational space co-creates the quality and the health of the relationship. And I like the fact that uh, there are two separate entities here and the relationship exists in between the two. I, like, I think that's what I heard yeah, you absolutely, just Yeah, absolutely. There's one aspect I've looked at myself. I have at least a degree of self-awareness that is there. But then how do I reach out? What are the, what's the next step so that my relationships are healthy? It's about how do you use that EQ. And, and, and EQ is really about all the internal work that you do from a personal growth and development point of view. SQ, which is social awareness, is sure. how you use that internal information outwards with everybody that comes across your path. So how are you being conscious and aware of where you're at and how you're showing up and how you are impacting others mm -hmm. and how are you allowing others to impact you? So in other words, if someone is in, a, in an emotional state, they're angry or they're upset and you're trying to have a conversation or an interaction with them and eventually they start affecting you and you start becoming angry or stressed out or upset. So in other words, you are reacting to what you are receiving. Yeah. And that's how we co-create the relational space is by how we use that space, the feedback that we're getting, the information that we're giving off and to then build the quality and the health of the relationship through primarily communication because communication equals connection. So there's the space in between us, you and I as we sit here. How do you and I right now, you knowing you, me knowing me, how do we build a healthy relationship? What are the practical steps? So communication is the key, and 90% of problems in relationships is due to the lack of communication. So either what's not being said for fear of because the space doesn't feel safe. And if the space doesn't feel safe, I'm not going to be open and honest with you. I'm not sure. going to be transparent with you. I'm not going to be able to have empathy and compassion and understanding. And then also for what's not being heard, because often we listen to respond. Sure. We don't listen to hear. Sure. So communication is key. 
but then also being able to put myself in the other person's shoes and see where they are coming from, see it from their perspective, have a deeper understanding as to well, why do they think that? Why do they believe that? Why do they feel like that? It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm agreeing with it, but I'm understanding it. And based on that understanding, I can then interact accordingly with that person by offering them support, building empathy, building compassion, getting to, to know someone on a deeper level. I've heard three things come out. So EQ, communication, and empathy. Mm. Three critical principles that are necessary in order to build a relationship or establish a relationship. And I think that basic humanity, that at the end of the day, we are both human beings, first and foremost, before anything else. So let's meet each other in the middle ground as human beings. Let's Mm. remove all the labels, all the stigmas, all the preconditioning that we've had. And let me really get to know you as a human being in order to build a relationship with you. What do you think of vulnerability in a relationship? First, a personal relationship, and then we'll talk about a business relationship. So I think vulnerability is key because that's where you learn about yourself but you also learn about other people. By being vulnerable yourself, you are enabling someone else to be vulnerable because if they see you being vulnerable, then they will be equally willing to potentially be as vulnerable with you. But it's built on trust. Mm. And if the space doesn't feel safe, if I don't trust that space between you and I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lay my soul bare to you Mm. and be open and honest and transparent with you. And so for me, the four key pillars of a relationship personal or professional is built on trust, respect, honesty, and communication. Mm. If I can't trust myself to be open and honest with myself first and foremost, in terms of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, and then share that with you, I can't expect you to do the same with me. Sure. And if I'm not being honest with you, I can't expect you to be honest with me. And if I can't respect where you're at and where you're coming from and your views and your opinions without trying to judge you or blame you or say who's right and who's wrong, but just to have a respect that you're entitled to your view and your opinion and that's okay. I don't have to necessarily agree with it. Then there's very little communication happening. There's a, a reciprocal cycle that takes place. And let me ask you then the next question because you've spoken about vulnerability and this idea of opening up. But then where do you place vulnerability within a business relationship, specifically boss to a subordinate or a manager to someone that the manager is working with in their team? Where does vulnerability fit there? So I think vulnerability comes in, first of all, knowing that nobody's perfect. There is no such thing as the perfect person out there and that you don't have all the answers to everything. And being vulnerable enough to admit that I don't know or I don't have the answer, or I'm not sure, doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make you a failure. If anything, it makes you human. And it takes courage to put your hand up and say, I don't know. So we're saying, I don't know. We're not saying lay bare your personal detail in front of your coworkers. I think that's part of it, but it's also about getting to know your coworkers on a human level, on a personal level. And that doesn't necessarily mean bringing the dirty laundry out now, but it's taking a real interest in them as people and not just numbers on a payroll system. Where's the, the line, though? Where's the boundary? Something healthy boundaries is where you take an interest in that. They have a life outside of work. They may have children. They may have other interests. And that it's okay for them to have work-life balance and that the environment enables them to be individuals in that they can feel free to go and go home early to watch their kids 
sports match at school because by doing that it makes them perform better at work because they're feeling valued like mm. they they've been given that time to go and spend with their family and their loved ones which means they feel appreciated Henley Business School emphasizes the family friendly MBA when you think MBA and relationships what's your first instinct and how do you feel we could do better to our relationships with loved ones when we're in a situation where we are under such immense pressure? Well, I think everybody kind of knows the MBA is kind of known as the divorce course. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, I think it has been because of the workload and the expectation that has been placed on MBA students. And I think that's what I love about the Henley program is that it does make family a priority and that balance a priority. And by bringing in the family members, the spouse or the kids and sharing the environment with them as to where their partner is going to be for the next couple of months while they're going through the program. They can relate to it more. It's not like when you're going off in the middle of the night and I'm not seeing you for hours and hours and I don't know where you are and who you're with kind of thing. So it creates that trust. It creates that safety. It creates that space that you feel a part of Mm. and you can identify with and you feel like you belong to it, even though you're not necessarily doing the course yourself, but but through your partner, you are participating. I love the fact that you highlight that communication is not necessarily, it's not a verbal exchange. It can be bringing someone to an environment, allowing them to explore that environment, because that's communication really, isn't it? Absolutely. Paula, we spoke earlier about emotional intelligence. There are many different definitions of emotional intelligence that exist out in the world. What is your definition? And convert us to it, please. It's a healthy sense of self in terms of self-worth, self-value, self-confidence, self-belief. And understanding also what your limitations are, because we can't all be good at everything. So understanding what your strengths are, what you're good at, and understanding what, and I don't like to call them weaknesses. I I look at it as skills that you have not yet developed. Okay. And that's okay. Mm. Maybe you don't need to. Maybe you don't want to. Or you compensate by bringing someone in from your team. Absolutely. And that's, I think, part of being vulnerable is saying, well, I know I'm not good at this, but let me surround myself with people that are good at it. And together we can create an even better team or picture or dynamic. And that it's okay to rely on other people or depend on other people for things that you are not good at. And it's, I think it's that healthy sense of self that when you understand that about yourself and you're willing to put your hand up and say, well, hey, I'm not good at this or I don't know this, it's, there's a sense of vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of bravery and courage to put your hand up and say those things. But it doesn't necessarily make you a weak person. So you've spoken about the, the self-awareness component. Then emotional intelligence as it exists between two people or team? So from a team point of view, it's understanding your team strengths. It's also understanding what your motivational drivers are because everyone has different motivational drivers. So, for example, some people, it might be family and children. And for them, they will want to be given time off to go and spend time with family and children. For others, their motivational drivers might be financial and they will want the bonuses and the incentives and those kind of things. So it's how do you as a leader tap into your individual team members, get to know them better on a personal level as individuals as human beings, but then collectively use that information to get your team to perform at its optimum. Yeah, it's so interesting how there are so many managers or leaders, team leaders, executives who will stand up in front of a boardroom of their peers, people that they've known for years, but they use one language to communicate something that each individual needs a nuanced approach to. Now, 
I don't think we're describing a situation where we have to go to each individual and describe something to them. We should be able to stand up in front of a boardroom and, and expect feedback or expect something to happen as a result of that meeting. But there are all these little nuances. How do you speak to five people, six people, ten people around the table at the same time, given that you only have one voice? The thing about a leader is a leader knows how to take people on a journey by painting a picture that everyone buys into. Okay. And it's how they paint that picture by tapping into each person's interests, strengths that will then get them to buy into the journey mm. and be on board. Okay. And I think that's one of the real tasks a leader has to learn and develop is how do you get people to go on the journey with you? How do you get them to buy into it and then support it and then do what needs to be done to actually make that vision or that picture materialize? Mm. Okay, so classic examples. We have Nelson Mandela, Rainbow Nation. Yep. We have Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream. These are strong communication strategies based on the fact that they create a vision that everyone can buy into in their own unique way, but then he hands over or they hand over expectation that now you need to perform within that. Mm -hmm. And if people feel valued, so in other words, they feel that their opinions are valued, their contribution is valued, that their ideas are considered, they will feel more a part of the process. They will feel like they have a voice and they're being heard. And when that starts to happen and people start feeling valued, they'll be prepared to do more in terms of doing what needs to be done to fulfill the ultimate goal of the team or the business as a whole. Mm. Okay, here's a scenario. I am a high potential executive who just is moving up the ladder. I'm doing really well. So in my work environment, I'm really moving in the right direction. But my relationship at home is suffering. What are three things that I need to do immediately in order to help my relationship at home almost come in line with what I am able to do in a work environment? So for me, it's about finding the balance. And depending on the pressure and the workload in terms of the workplace, your relationship may take strain. Mm -hmm. But then it's about how do you manage expectations from your partner's side? How do you try and get some of their needs met and fulfilled while you carry on working on, on the other side? And it's through communication, again, in terms of really telling and sharing with your partner what's expected of you, why you're under so much pressure, what's happening, how you need your partner to support you through this process. Because it's not going to be a forever. It's a for now. Yes. It's for the time being. And once your partner has supported you through that process, how do you then come back to your relationship and put the energy back into your relationship and keep that balance going? I heard somewhere that all disappointment in life is as a result of unmet expectation. And that's really what I hear you saying here is that the communication is there in order to really manage the expectation. And then at some point, the tables will turn. Well, a lot of times we place expectations on the other person without necessarily sharing those expectations with them. Which so is they remarkable. Don't, I mean, it's almost We're setting almost them up for failure. Right? Yeah. You know, by, by not sharing what we're expecting or wanting from them, we're setting them up for failure because they're never going to meet those expectations. And we're just going to get frustrated and feel disappointed and let down and angry and hurt. And that's, again, where communication plays a key role, is that if I say to you, this is what I'd like or this is what I need – then you have an idea of what I'm needing and wanting. And then you have a choice as to how do you want to go about fulfilling that? Are you able to? Is it realistic? Are you capable of doing that? 
And if not, then how do you then say, okay, well, I can't do this for you, but I can do this for you. Yep. How do you find the middle ground? And people call it compromise. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call it compromise because it has a negative connotation to it that sure. you have to give in or give up. Mm-hmm. I like to call it contribution. What contribution am I prepared to make to the relationship? Because mm. I value the relationship and I value my partner. Very nice. And the same can be said from a team point of view. What contribution am I prepared to make to my team? Because I value my teammates. I value my organization that I work for and I want to see us succeed. And at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, we take work home and we take home to work. There's no cut and dry between the two. So okay. it's about managing the dynamics of the different environments. In the work environment, if something's not gelling, if the team isn't with you on the same page, then it's about sitting down with them and going, okay, what's working, what's not working? Help me unpack it. Help me understand it. Where are we falling short? And then what are the solutions? How do we find a way to go forward? And it's really about the contribution that each one of you or each team member is willing to make. Because they value the team, they value the organization, they want everyone to succeed. And so it really, again, it comes down to communication, it comes down to connection, it comes down to I'm feeling valued, I'm feeling a part of the team, I'm feeling like I am worthy of the organization and the contribution that I'm making and that I get rewarded for that. Mm. We spoke a little bit earlier in another question about expectation and so often in a work environment, we are able to define those expectations quite clearly and sometimes then we suffer at home not doing that. But in this particular instance, if I am struggling with my team, perhaps it's also an expectation thing. Can you just add an expectation comment, please? Sure. You know, often we create expectations in our own mind about what we want someone to do or a way that we want them to perform or deliver. But we don't necessarily share that with them. We don't clarify it with them. So what we're actually doing is we're setting them up for failure. Whereas if we clarify that vision or that expectation by saying, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm needing, then the person has an idea, they have an understanding. And it's, you know, it's quite funny, I always, when I work with people and in, in individuals and organizations, we're very quick to review our organizational performance through performance reviews and appraisals, but mm. we very seldom do it in our personal relationships. We kind of wait until it's almost too late and we're heading down towards the divorce courts. Mm. So for me, I, I recommend reviews in both fronts, personal and professional. Obviously, they will have different contexts to them. But if you don't know what's working, then how do you know what needs to be done to fix it and repair it? And if mm. you do know what's working, well, then do more of the same because it's obviously working. Okay, very nice. Paula, we've spoken quite a, a lot now about relationships, personal and then relationships that we have at work. What we haven't mentioned yet is this idea of conflict and how there can be potential conflicts that arise and we have to resolve them. Do you find, as a relationship expert, that the process to resolve those are similar, the same? Are they different? So conflict, nobody likes conflict because we've kind of been conditioned that conflict is a negative thing. So we avoid conflict. It's not nice. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel safe. And so a lot of us avoid conflict. And I encourage people to look at conflict as an opportunity for growth, Okay. to be curious about conflict, because what's really happening is we're being pushed out of our comfort zones. And when we get pushed out of our comfort zones, it doesn't feel nice. So mm. we resist it. It's like the same as why people resist change. They're being pushed out of their comfort zones. But if you approach it with a different mindset as to, well, what can I learn here? What can I learn about myself? What can I learn about the situation? What can I learn about the other person? 
there's growth that takes place. And with that comes development, not only from a people skills point of view, but also from a personal growth perspective. Mm. How do you eliminate that emotion out of conflicts, whether it's a personal relationship or a, a working relationship? How do you eliminate that? So generally, when we're in a confrontational or an emotionally intense situation, we default to protecting ourselves on an emotional level. So when it comes to conflict, we will either minimize, in other words, we will avoid contact and conflict, so we shut down and we disengage, or we will, what we call maximize, where it will be seen as we are coming out to be attacking, when instead we're actually defending. So Mm. in both instances, we're protecting ourselves on an emotional level. And I think if we can take the emotion out of the situation, which is quite a difficult task to learn when it comes to emotional intelligence and self-awareness, in terms of not becoming reactive, Mm -hmm. but rather becoming open and curious to go, okay, what's happening here that I'm feeling reactive? What's being said or what's being done? And how can I take the emotion out and take the feedback that I'm getting, the information that I'm getting, and use that either to grow from in terms of myself or to learn from in terms of what am I doing that's causing this conflict? Because often we're unaware of what we're doing and how it's impacting others Mm -hmm. until we get a reaction. Are there strategies that you've found that are more effective than others in doing this? So there are different techniques and tools that are used depending on the different types of modalities from a therapy and a coaching perspective. I personally combine tools from Imago Relationship Therapy and NLP, one of which is called mirroring, where you actually mirror the other person. Mm. And what mirroring does is it teaches you very good listening skills because you have to really listen and hear what the person is saying before you can mirror before them back. Before you can mirror, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, very, very nice. I like that. I've never heard of that actually before used. Very nice. Anything else? I think it just comes back to keeping the space safe. Because if the space doesn't feel safe, and and we can feel, we feed off each other's energy. And you can feel when that space doesn't feel safe. So simple example, in your personal relationship, you've been out drinking with the boys or the girls, and you come home, you said you'd be home at 8, but you actually came home at 10, and Mm -hmm. you walk through the front door. And you know, before you've even stepped through that door, that he has (laughs) has trouble. Because you can feel that tension in the air. You can feel that energy. And that's really what it is, is that space doesn't feel safe. And the same happens in a, in a professional world. When we are in conflict with either our manager or one of our colleagues or another department or even a customer or a supplier, that space doesn't feel safe. And so we're feeding off that energy, first of all, and then we are reacting accordingly. In, in other words, we're trying to protect ourselves and defend ourselves emotionally, that we're not really hearing what's happening, what's going on. Why is this situation? And a lot of the time it's misunderstandings. It's assumptions, presumptions from where I'm coming from, my perspective, and I'm trying to prove you right or prove you wrong. I'm trying to get the upper hand. Sure. So it's really, uh, you know, people get tired of me saying it, but it comes back to communication. Are you really listening and hearing what the other person is saying? Are you showing empathy, compassion, and understanding as to where are they coming from? Why are they saying that or thinking that or believing that? And how did you co-create it? Mm. What did you say earlier? You said there's, the, there's an individual, there's an individual, and in between is where the relationship exists. Mm. I, I like that a lot. Paula, you have a phrase that you use quite regularly, and that is that relationships are the currency of the future. Explain what that means, please. I don't believe that money makes the world go round. Relationships do. Okay. So from an organizational point of view, 
if you are looking to meet your bottom line, if you're looking to achieve your targets, if you're looking to make a profit, it's the people in the organization that help you achieve that. And it's about the relationships that you have in the organization with your team, with your customers, with your suppliers. So that old cliche about it's not what you know, it's who you know, mm. it's pretty similar to yeah, that. Yeah. It's about how are you building those relationships to set everybody up for success. And in your, in your personal world, it's about your personal relationship because when you're under pressure, when you're under stress, who do you go home and take it out on? Families suffer as a result of pressure and stress and and i mean we all know the world has evolved to a 24 7 in terms of the global world that we work in and through social media we live in a world of instant gratification people want things and they want it now they either want answers or information or they want a reaction and they want it now and i would say the vast majority of us underestimate the extent to which that has influenced all of us Absolutely. We may be able to consciously see it, but we don't really understand how much it actually has gripped us. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, and, and in the personal, you know, in our personal relationship, when we're going through a tough time in our personal relationship, either a divorce or, you know, we're just in a bad place in, in, the, in our personal world, it affects our performance and our delivery in the workplace. Mm. So for me, it's all about relationships and relationship dynamics and having that balance. And the key relationships that we have throughout our entire lifetime starts with relationship with self. How am I showing up in my relationship in my personal space, not only as a partner, but also as a husband or a wife for my children and then my family and my friends? And then how am I showing up in the workplace? What am I bringing into that space? And how is that co-creating my relationships? And at the end of the day, You've heard many a people say on their deathbed, they didn't wish that they spent more time at work or they bought more houses or cars. They wished they spent more time with their loved ones mm -hmm. yep. and doing the things that they loved. And that's relationships. It is relationships. Maybe as a closing remark from my side, I sat with the CEO of Anglo-American, Mark Kutafani, and he said in a, a beautiful little nutshell that business is all about people. And I think that's what I hear you saying, and I'm seeing you nodding again. So you certainly agree with Mark. Absolutely. Paula, thank you so very much for joining us here on Henley Business Radio on this Ask an Expert feature. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to your event on the 24th. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to being here with everyone. Do you have a question for our Henley Business Radio Ask an Expert feature? Submit it via our website in the comments boxes on campus or use the hashtag AskAnExpert on your favorite social media platform.